Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. This is episode number 411 with Jeannie Sisko-Meth, Taming the Bully Between Your Ears to Find Love. Hi, everybody. I'm Sandy Weiner, and welcome to Last First Date Radio, where we believe it is never too late for love and that a woman of value naturally attracts the respect and rewards she deserves in life and love. And speaking of woman of value, I am proud to announce the publication of my new book, Becoming a Woman of Value, How to Thrive in Life in Love. And it is available on Amazon in both Kindle and paperback now. This week's tip on becoming a woman of value is love is your birthright. We often think, oh, it's just not in the cards for me. It's just not going to happen. But I want you to know that love is your birthright. And there may just be some things you don't yet know. And our guest, Jeannie, was just telling me that she's on her third marriage and she finally got it right. So if (laughs) she can do it, you can do it. Right, Jeannie? Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) So my challenge to you is to, you know, work on what we're going to be talking about today with this bully between your ears, which is telling you that love isn't in the cards, and just really set an intention that love is your birthright. Before I bring Jeannie on, I just want to let everyone know that I have a fantastic Facebook group. It's called Your Last First Date, and it's for women over 40 who are either single or in a relationship and want to get it better and get it right this time around. So join us at your last first date if you want a positive, forward-thinking, forward-moving group. So many groups out there are just places where people come to vent and they're not guided and this group is guided. So join us for a fantastic experience where people have had major transformations. Your last first date on Facebook. And now for my guest, Jeannie Sisko-Meth. She's a two-time best-selling author and soon-to-be three-time best-selling author. She's a professional speaker, educator, and a parent. She shares her scientifically proven system for improving communication and decreasing conflict. She has been quoted in Forbes. She's been a guest on many radio shows all across the country. And she has been on TV on ABC4, Free Speech TV, and many others. Welcome, Jeannie. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me today. Thank you. Uh, it's a great topic. And, and when you reached out to me, I was like, we have to have this topic <laughs> here, that bully between the ears. So yes. first, can you tell us what that is and how you discovered it? It's that little voice that says, you're too old, you're too young, you're too fat, you're too stupid, you're too whatever. It's that sometimes it sounds like my mom. (laughs) Sometimes it sounds like, uh, you know, a past boss or a boyfriend. Sometimes it sounds like me, but it is an insidious voice that stops me from doing the things that I love or doing the things that I know I should, but I'm afraid what someone else will think or I'm afraid what someone else will say. So I don't do it. I I hold back. I play small. And I actually discovered it. So I have a, my first book is called Bully Proofing You, Improving Confidence and Personal Value from the Inside Out. And it was written, I was a high school teacher for 17 years. 
And so I left, I transitioned from the high school to the stage in 2012, had the privilege of traveling all over the country, sharing the message. And as I started talking with people and spending more time, I realized that there's this bully in our head that is many times much more insidious than the external bully. And so that has led to my third book, which is Taming the Bully Between Your Ears. And I, I discovered it because I had an experience when I was in the army. <laughs> it was really crazy. Um, and I went, whoa, wait a minute. What's going on here? And so I started, I love to analyze and dissect. I love to learn. And so I started looking at my life, other people's lives, and realizing, oh my gosh, everybody, or at least everybody I've met, I haven't met everybody on the planet, but everybody <laughs> I've met has that bully. They have that little voice inside their head that says, don't do it or you can't or whatever. Yeah, it's, well, uh it's so true. And I, I, I was telling you before the show that the first one of the first steps I take a client through is really identifying what those voices are, because we all have them. We don't all know where they come from. But you're saying sometimes it's your mom, sometimes it's your boss, you know, there's usually someone in our past, right, who has told us something, and then we believe it to be true. You know, we carry that with us. And it holds us back. I mean, I, I played small most of my life until I started doing this work. And so we want people to be the best and biggest that they can be. And you can't do it with these, right. these horrible voices. So can you share some of the ways that the voice shows up? Yeah, well, you know, like we were like we were saying, a boss, a former thing. But usually, the reason the external one has so much impact on us is because we've already been saying it in our head already. You know, we've already been saying, "Oh, I'm stupid," or we've already been saying. So I was told in elementary school I would never make it through school. I was too stupid. I had a lot of learning disabilities, and and so I. You know, I, I heard that so frequently that it became my voice and it became that thing that, oh, you can't do that. You're too stupid. And I realized that's not true. And as an adult, looking back on those situations, it was perfect. I truly believe life happens for me, not to me. And when those teachers said those things, it kind of ticked me off. I'm like, you don't decide, I decide. I decide what I do and what I don't do. And, and so by looking back and realizing that life was happening for me and building that muscle and helping me, I started realizing that there that the voice was there, the negative voice. You know, sometimes in the movies you'll see them depicted as the angel and the devil on your shoulder. And you know, you can say that's what it is, you can say it's past experiences, you can say it it's past people, wherever it comes from. I don't think matters as much as how long we leave those labels on us and in us. Mm. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's interesting to trace it back, right, to connect the dots, but it's, it's important not to dwell there and just right. to say, okay, it's here, and it doesn't have to be defining us anymore. I think once right. we have that realization, right, it's that awareness that's mm -hmm. so important that is this really true? So speaking of whether it's really true, do you have some techniques to start to tame that inner bully? 
Absolutely. Thank you for asking. The first one, so whenever I'm working with one of my clients, I have them start carrying a little notebook or a piece of paper if they don't want to carry a notebook, a little notebook, just carry it in your pocket. And when you you have to become aware of it first and you'll say something and then you'll you'll see all of a sudden you're you've talked yourself out of it you know you're sitting on the couch and you think well I, I should get up and go for a walk that would be better for me and then five minutes later you're still sitting on the couch pull out that piece of paper and say okay what what went through my mind from the moment I had I'm going to go for a walk and now 5, 10 minutes, 15 minutes later, I'm still sitting on the couch. What made the difference? What was the path I went down? And as you start becoming aware of what it is, then you can overcome it. The first law of learning and change is awareness that you need to change. And so you've got to become aware of that voice. And then you've got to start replacing it with a different voice. You know, just like you said, is that true? Well, you may believe it's true because you've heard it and you've said it so many times. So the so you need to ask, do I want that to continue in my life? Or do I want something new? And so when we start realizing that our thoughts create our, our feelings and our feelings create our actions and our actions create our lifestyle, then we can back up all the way and go back and create, okay, what was the thoughts that I had that created that emotion, that created that results? I need new thoughts. What are my new thoughts? And my new thoughts are, I can do this. I can do anything. Anything I put my mind to. And I can just see people going, yeah, it's not so easy. <laughs> well, and that's, that's what happens, right? Because you think, well, if I do, there, it's like this little ping pong match or tennis match or, you know, bo boxing match. Because you've said the other thing so frequently that you have worn a path. You know, just like a single step or walking a path once, you're not going to create a path. You've got to have many footsteps going down that path. So many people have a six-lane highway to negative thinking and a little tiny few bent blades of grass on the way to positive thinking. And so you've got to, to continually walk that path of, I am enough. I am valuable. I am smart. I am worthy. I am, I am lovable. I am loved. And at, you know, the first few times you start saying that the other side of you is like, no, uh, -uh that's not. <laughs> so you just say, no, I walk this path, not the old one. And as you continually walk that new path, it will be go, it will go from a few bent blades of grass to then a dirt trail. And then pretty soon you'll have a highway going to the positive as well. Mm. Yeah, I, I think people think it's an overnight thing, right? Mm -mm. <laughs> <laughs> but They're we like, do, right? It's so hard, you know, yeah. because, and I always say to them, because my clients are older and some of them are in their 60s and 70s, and I'm like, it took you seven decades to get here and you expect mm -hmm. it to go away in like a week? Right. You know, gotta right. look at this, you know, this is yeah. a well-worn path. And, you know, and they say like in science, there are neural pathways in our brain that can be created but we have to keep going because you do it once. It's like having a trail in the forest. It's mm -hmm. you're just patting down on the grass a little bit, but you're not getting that 
dirt path and that highway with the tar on it, right? Right. Yeah, right. so that's great. I like the idea of the notebook in your pocket. And, um, you know, I'm sure that people who are more comfortable with electronics could use their phones to speak into or, you know, anything that's going to help you get there. Um, you know, don't make an excuse. Well, I didn't carry the notebook, so I'm just going to stay stuck, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, right. don't have the notebook. Right. right. Use your um, phone. No excuses. Use, right. Right. No excuses. Exactly. And and I always say, I always remind my clients that discipline is remembering what you want in the moment of temptation. Mm, I like that. And so when you're being tempted to stay on the couch instead of go for a walk, or when you're being tempted to, you know, walk that, to travel down that highway of negative thought once again, or self-doubt, or whatever, okay, no, that's the old me. The new me chooses this. The new me chooses to say, I'm valuable, I'm important, I'm needed in this time and space, I'm loved. That's the new me. That's the discipline part. What do you want? Do you want to stay where you are? Because if you do, keep doing what you're doing. But if you want to change, you've got to do something new. And you have to replace that old habit with a new habit. And it will become a habit. It will become a habit. Yeah, I was just talking to my oldest daughter who is reading Atomic Habits and um, her husband had bought the book and she said, yeah, I'm reading this and it's really good. And it was like everything I've been telling her for the last 13 years. <laughs> she couldn't hear it until now. And, you know, it, it's, it's, I think because they are micro steps and they're small, it's easier for her to say, okay, I can choose to exercise. I can choose to not just feel exhausted or overwhelmed and do something different. And I love watching. I think one of my greatest joys is watching my own children do better than I did. <laughs> right. Um, right. And finally get like, this is how to have a better life and you don't have to stay stuck. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I would love to hear if you have any stories to share of a client or someone, you know, who's, who's done this work and you know where they were, and where they are now. Yeah, I have, I have a lot. And I didn't realize how many people I was reaching until I started getting emails and comments on Facebook. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I have a letter from Japan from a lady. I was like, I've never been to Japan. I'd love to mm -hmm. go. But it's, it's the going, and, and I can use myself as an example. You know, the problem with, Jeannie was Jeannie believed what other people were saying about her or she would use it as an excuse now Jeannie decides do I accept that or do I not accept it people will put labels on you all day long you decide whether the label stays or whether the label whether you peel it off and throw it away so often people allow the label well somebody stuck it there so it has to be true that's not true and so I also have a, a client that she was just starting to work with me, just really trying to change. And she was called the B word. I don't, I don't really want to swear, but I think we know what that is. Right. Yeah. And, and she says, she says, okay, okay, I'm going to use this. I'm going to use these tools. I'm going to reframe it. And she says, okay, so dogs 
dog, that's a dog. That's a female dog and dogs bark and there's bark on trees and I love trees. So she looks at the, you know, and this happened quickly. It seems like it takes a long time, right? But it maybe took a second for her to go down that path. And she said, I looked at the person and said, thank you. She said, all I did was smile and say, thank you. And they were like, it totally, you know, it was a total interrupt for them because that was not what they were expecting. Nothing has meaning except the meaning I give it. So she gave that word a whole new meaning and thereby transformed what that person had said to her. You're making up the story anyways. So why not make yourself the hero of the story? Well, because then I'm egotistical and I'm selfish and no, it's about self-care. It's not about ego. It's about self-care. And so many of us, especially women, because we're constantly giving, we don't take the time very frequently to refill our own cup. We want others to validate us. We want others to tell us that they love us. We want others to make sure we're taken care of because we're so used to taking care of everyone else. Whereas if we would just sit back and say, what do I need today? What do I need? I need to go soak in the hot tub for 30 minutes or I need to buy this really nice lotion. And so one of the things I love about Bath and Body Works is the names of their lotion. <laughs> you know, hello, beautiful. Yeah, who doesn't <laughs> want to put that on themselves, right? Or a thousand wishes, you know? And, and so I take that lotion and I'm like, yeah, a thousand wishes. And I put it on and I smell it and I, I take a moment. And I, you know, and I'm not getting paid by Bath and Body Works. I'm not sponsored. <laughs> I'm just saying, what fills your cup? What do you enjoy doing? And so that. I'm responsible for taking care of me. Because if I'm constantly having my spouse take care of me, that gets tiring. You know, I can help somebody periodically, but if I have to carry them every day, I get worn out pretty quick. Yeah, very draining. Yeah. And it's so not by me feeding myself and telling myself I'm beautiful, telling myself I'm valuable, telling myself I can do this, telling me I'm a great cook or a great mother or whatever, then I feed myself. Hmm. Yeah, we need to feed ourselves. I mean, this is the daughter I was telling you about in, in, who's married. Um, she's got three young kids and it's really hard as a young mom. I remember being that person to take the time to give yourself what you need. You're putting everybody else first. And whether you're a parent of young children, older children, not, not a parent at all, we all do this in some way unless we bring awareness to it. And um, I talked to so many women who don't take the time to ask themselves, what do I need today? What do I need in this moment? You know, it's, it's just moment to moment. How are we taking care of ourselves? So it's, you know, I love the names of the Bath and Body Works. I don't buy their products, but I feel like I have to now. Essie right? nail polish is the same thing. Like their, their names of their nail polish are hysterical. It's like sexy yeah. vixen. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be that for today. Right, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, you know, a lot of people think self-care is going to a spa. 
and going on a vacation. And what they don't understand is that we need to do this throughout our day. Every decision we make really will either feed us or drain us. And we don't always have that awareness. So this is an important conversation that people need to really listen. What, what am I saying to myself? How am I taking care of myself? Yeah. 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 I mean, nobody's going to do it for you. Well, and if they do sometimes, you know, my husband is phenomenal. Uh, my kids are phenomenal. However, there are times when I need it and they're not around. Yeah. The one person who's with me every single day of my life is me. <laughs> That's right. Whether <laughs> so you like I, it or not. <laughs> yeah, whether I like it or not, I can give me what I need. And sometimes that's just standing in my closet and going, what's my favorite shirt? Do I have a favorite shirt? Yeah, this is my favorite shirt. I'm going to wear it today and I'm going to look smashing or whatever your word is, right? I choose the label. I put the label on. and Or I look at my closet and I go, you know, so, so I just did this recently. I just went through my closet recently and I had some t some shirts in there that I had really liked, but I had only worn once because when I put them on and really looked at it, the color made me look sickly or, you know, washed me out or whatever. And I was like, I don't, I don't, and I wasn't aware of it until I started going, why don't I like this shirt? Why do I like this shirt? Oh, well it's, it's the color. And then, you know, well, wait, I spent like, 20 bucks for that shirt. I can't get rid of that shirt. Yeah, I can. I'm worth much more than $20. And so I'm going to let this shirt go bless someone else because someone else will be blessed by this shirt because they're going to love it. The color is going to be perfect for them. And that's the thought I have about letting that shirt go. Whereas before it was, no, I got to keep this shirt. I paid this much money for it. I have to wear it. And then I feel ooky wearing it. And I'm like, it's a, it's that, I call it the spin cycle where you just start down that negative loop and pretty soon you're like, wait, how did I get down here? <laughs> and so being aware of it at the beginning of the spin cycle so I can stop it. That's yeah. the biggest thing. It's true. And it's harder to, right, it's harder to get out of the bottom than it is to get out when the spin is beginning. And it's, <laughs> right? And I also right. just say to people, like the recovery time is really what we're looking at because it's, it's like we said before, it's not overnight success. It takes time. But what, what you can celebrate is every time you recover, every time you pull yourself out, it is a celebration because you're not where you were. And I think we, it's hard for us to see those incremental changes because we want, you know, we want to be there. We want to have everything be perfect because that's, that's another, that's another negative voice. Uh, yeah. yeah. I just took a course called positive intelligence and we, the man who discovered, who, who created this course for coaches, really, um, he, he discovered like eight saboteur accomplices. So we have our critic, the, the inner critic that says you're not enough and all the other stuff, but the controller, the hyperachiever, the people pleaser, the, all of those are accomplices and we don't always know the perfectionist. They're all there. They're all there supporting that inner critic going, hey, I'm here to help you. And so the more we can name it, the more we can stop it. Yeah. And, and you know, I set yourself up for a good day. So when my alarm clock goes off in the morning, the first thing I do is I say, Lord, thank you for another day to become the person you see in me. 
you know, whatever your higher power is, just give gratitude for being alive because there are people who don't wake up. There are people who didn't wake up this morning. I did. And I feel very, very blessed because of that. And then I start visualizing and thinking about my day or something that I want to do. And I start, you know, creating it in my mind. I see myself getting up and going, I go for a three mile walk in the morning and enjoying the birds and the sunshine. And, you know, we, I walk by this creek and golf course and the fresh mowed grass. And so I start feeling that gratitude and that I'm alive and I'm going to celebrate that. I'm going to be grateful for that. That sets my day up for positivity and I can go up, up, up instead of down, down, down. <laughs> yeah, and so by yeah, you know, and I used to say up, up, up or <laughs> <laughs> I choose up, up, up. And, you know, and so by, by, or by realizing it, you know, you get out of bed, you stub your toe and then you get soap in your eyes. You know, by the time I used to get to work, I'd be so crunchy. And, and the secretary would say, hey, how you doing, Jeannie? I'd be like, I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. And so I get up in the morning, I stub my toe, and I'm like, hey, got feeling in my toes. I'm glad I got feeling <laughs> in my toes, glad I could walk. I get in the shower, I get soap in my eyes. Well, thank goodness, I'm getting my hair clean. It smells good. My eyes are really clean now, too. <laughs> so it's that choice. Do I let things go, or do I go up, up, up? I want to go up, up, up. That's great. It reminds me of a children's book I used to read to my kids. And I don't remember the name of it, but it was like the husband leaves the house, doesn't give his wife a kiss. So she's in a terrible mood. She takes it out of <laughs> her kid. She burns the toast. Then the kid gets to school. And it's like, it's a whole chain reaction. Yeah. And then it gets reversed. The husband comes home from work, gives his wife a kiss. She's in a great mood. She sees him. <laughs> the kid does well. You know, the cat is happy. Yeah. <laughs> just, we don't realize the power we have in changing our mood, changing our day. But I love, you know, setting an intention, I think is so important. And also reframing. So you talked about reframing before with the B word and <laughs> being able to get there. <laughs> But reframing soap in your eyes, reframing the fact that you stub your toe, you have a toe, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. you are right. alive. And yeah. being able to see things that way helps us be resilient, helps us to really rise up instead of yeah. going down. Right. I would love to hear a little bit about your, um, your divorces and how you, um, how you have a successful marriage now for 17 years. So you know, and sort of tie it in a little bit to the inner bully, the, the bully between your ears. Absolutely. So um, my first husband was very much, um, he was, he was oppressive in the words that he would use towards me. He was verbally abusive. And because I was verbally abusive to me in my mind, I allowed it. I accepted it. And it was not a good marriage at all. We were married for a year and a half and he had an affair on me. And because of where I was, he'd actually had two affairs at this time. And because of where I was, I had allowed it. And, and then there was a defining moment when I said, I'm done. I'm done. I, this, no, I'm done. And, and I left. And it was one of the best things I had done. Well, then two years later, I found myself in very much a similar 
problem. And, and I'm like, wait. And so after that marriage ended, I sat down and I said, what's the common element? I said, oh, I'm the common element. Now, it would have been very easy to blame my husband's infidelity, my ex-husband's infidelity, for the end of the relationship. would have been very easy to blame my second husband's um, alcohol abuse for the second marriage ending. But if I had done that, I wouldn't have found what I needed and what I wanted. Because I would have just stuck the blame on him and then gone and found the exact same thing again. But by sitting down in between and saying, okay, what do I need and what do I want? And making that decision to not settle, no matter what. I will not put my kids through that again. I will not put myself through that again. I am worthy of having a spouse that loves me, cares for me, and cherishes me, just like I do for him. Now, I made my own mistakes in those marriages as well. The first marriage, I didn't ask for what I needed. I assumed he knew it. I assumed that when we got married, he would stop having extracurricular activities. But I never sat down and said, okay, we're getting married in a few weeks. These behaviors need to stop. Are they going to stop or not? That would have saved a whole bunch of issues, right? By me just coming out saying, hey, this is what I will tolerate. This is what I will not tolerate. And if that behavior happens, then I'm going to leave. So making that decision beforehand for him and for me, because I had already tolerated it. Why wouldn't I continue to tolerate it? But in my mind, it was different. And then in my, my second marriage, I had learned to ask for what I wanted, but I hadn't, I hadn't really drawn the line and said, this is acceptable and this isn't. You know, once I found out he was an alcoholic, I could see the signs but up until I knew that he was, I could explain it away. I would make excuses. And I also realized that I had settled because I thought my standards were too high. And I thought, oh, I'll, I'll never find that. It's, it's better, this is better than nothing. And what I've realized, that's not true. It's not true, especially when you're taking kids through it as well. Now, that may not be everyone's choice. You know, that's my choice. I chose, I will have all of my needs, most of my wants, or I will not get married again. And Lawrence is not perfect. I am by far and away not perfect, but we are perfect. And we, it takes work as well. He had also been married two times before. And so the likelihood of our marriage working was like 0.01%. It was like, you know, it's, it's not going to happen. And we both made a commitment, not only to the marriage, but to each other and to ourselves. And one of the commitments I made, first of all, was I will not settle. Second of all, I will be me. Because I had tried to be someone else for my second husband. That gets tiring that gets tiring and so I figured out who I was what I wanted and then I will be me and I remember very specifically um, Lawrence and I had been dating for a while and and we it was time to bring the kids together right he had two kids I had two kids it's time to bring the kids together to meet the other and see what happens right and we found this place called some dudes playground 
and it was inflatables and you know all kinds of fun stuff and we walk in and we're waiting and and you know and Lawrence got there like a minute after I did and I'm like hey I I really want I want to play too I want to play with the kids too and he's like well yeah but you're all dressed up and I'm like I got my sweats in the car <laughs> And he's because I sat there and I thought, well, what if he doesn't want to? What if, what if he thinks that's weird? What because my my ex husband had would get mad at me when I would play and goof off with the kids, and then I'm like, I want to know now before we're into it a ways, so that I can, so that I know, you know, so that I know if I want to go play with my kids, I want to go play with my kids. And I don't want that to be a barrier. I would much rather know now if it is than later. And so he's like, okay, let's, let's play. And so I put, went, changed. We had them so much fun, so much fun. And so by me making that decision of I will always be me, no matter what, I will be me first. It, I can be me the rest of my life. I can't be someone else. Mm. It's a great story. It reminds me so much of my own story. I was only married once, but so much of me giving up what I needed, not having my standards and my tolerance, um, you know, calibrated and not knowing what, you know, what was my bottom line, you know, just thinking, oh, you just, you just accommodate and accommodate and accommodate. And by doing that, you shapeshift. And you become something you're not, something you don't even like anymore. And knowing that you have options, that we, you know, we all, like I said at the beginning of the show, love is our birthright. And if it's our birthright, then we want to have love that's genuine and authentic and respectful and have it work both ways. You know, it's right. not something that's controlling. It's not something that's hurtful. It's something that helps us grow and rise up which is also what happens when we tame those voices in our head, right? Right, right. exactly. Yeah. That's, and that's I think beautiful. it comes, I think we allow people to, so one of the agreements that my husband and I have is we will stand in the fire. That's what we call it. Stand in the fire until both of us are 100% happy. Mm. There is no compromise in our marriage. And when I first tell people that, they're like, what do you mean you don't compromise? Well, I don't give and neither does he. So when we're picking a place to go to dinner, both of us have to be 100% happy. And sometimes that can take a while to find that. Or when we're picking a place to vacation or when we're picking a movie or, or whatever, those things that so many times it's so easy to say, oh, it doesn't matter. It does matter because over time you start to feel resentful. Yeah. And you start to say, I've given this, I've given this, I've given yeah. this. Now it's my turn. No, yeah. it's always your turn. And it's always their turn. And if you're willing to stand in the fire toe to toe and say, nope, I don't want to eat there. Well, I don't want to eat there. Okay, well, where else can we go? Well, okay. Oh, well, I'll eat there. Yeah, and I will too. Then it's no longer a compromise. You're both 100% happy. Yeah, and there's no scorekeeping. 
right? That's, right. that's where you start running into big problems in relationships. We're like, yeah. you know, I did all these things for you. My daughter, my younger daughter was just telling me about a friend of hers who does that a lot where she, you know, when I'm throwing the party and I'm doing this and then what are you doing for me? And you think then it becomes martyr victim and right. not healthy, right. not healthy. Not healthy at all. Yeah. Well, this sounds amazing. And I'm so glad you found each other and that you both are willing to walk in the fire for each other. And I, I, I say that to my coaching clients, actually. It's I am willing to do that for them. And I want to make sure that they're willing to do it for themselves. Right. Because, you know, I will I will even get fired for the sake of who they are and rising them up to be the best they can be. You know, it may not always be popular, but it is, it's always with good intent. And I think yeah. people, not that many people are willing to do that for us and for ourselves. And we have to do it for ourselves first is the message right. you keep saying over right. and over again. And I hope people take that away. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Jeannie, do you have any final words of advice for people who want to go on their last first date? <laughs> <laughs> so um, I have a lot, but I would like, I'd like to bring attention to my book, Bullyproofing You. There's okay. three parts in there. And the first one is all about the foundation. Love yourself, personal value. And then check your perspective and then have some planned responses that you can know. And um, bullyproofingyoubook.com will give you more information about my book. It's a total home study course designed to help people start that journey of loving themselves and then realizing that hurt people hurt people. My husband has said things that hurt me. I have said things that hurt my husband. The difference is, is that I remember hurt people hurt people. It's not about me. And so when something is said and I can say, oh, babe, what's going on? What's happening? How can I help? Instead of getting defensive and lashing back. And so two of the questions, a couple of things I always remember is hurt people, hurt people. And why would a reasonable, rational adult behave this way? Because that helps me understand the underlying emotion that is driving the behavior. It's a hard thing for people to remember when they're triggered, <laughs> you know, and you feel yeah. attacked and you get into fight, flight, freeze. Oh my God, yep. you're hurting me. And just taking that breath and having the yep. awareness, which is really what you talk about with just the inner voices, yeah. that, uh, that breath, that pause, that makes all the difference between reactivity and going down the spiral and yeah. having healthy, loving relationships with yeah. yourself first and that allows you to have them with others. Yeah. I think that so many relationships could do better with this kind yeah. of, yeah. you know, just way of being in the world. So yeah. thank you. Thank you so Absolutely. much. Yeah, yeah, this has been a great conversation. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Tell, tell us how people can find you. You talked about the, the book and the, uh, the course. So yeah. what's the so best... Yeah, what's the best Either website? one, uh, bullyproofingyoubook.com or geniesiscomath.com. Either one. Um, the beautiful thing is, is I am the only Cisco Meth on social media, so you can find me. Okay. <laughs> and it's spelled just like computer accessories and meth, you know, meth a drug. And so you can find <laughs> me. And um, I, I just want to touch, you were talking about, you know, the reacting and 
the third part of my book is all about planned responses. Think, because when emotion is high, intelligence is low. And so when you get triggered, your, your emotions are high and you can't always think. So if you think it out beforehand and have a planned response, then you are acting instead of just reacting. You're acting in the way you want to act instead of just reacting and getting like you're talking about escalating the problem. And so that's the third part of the book. And I think it's just really powerful to help people start learning how to act instead of just react. So true. So beautiful. Um, that's pretty much what I, you know, the, the, what we teach in the boundaries course that we teach. It's, it's really being prepared. So you're not a deer in the headlight when you are triggered and you recognize your triggers. Like when you have that awareness, this is my thing. Like you did when you had two divorces and said, okay, I'm the common denominator. It's what responsibility can I take? So, so often when we're triggered, it has nothing to do with us it has right. nothing to do with them you know you got to figure out like okay is this an us issue is this a me issue is it a you issue uh, who knows but the more emotionally aware and emotionally intelligent you become the more you can process through all of this so you're not into that reactivity mode all the time which right. will make this world a much better place <laughs> <laughs> right Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So thank you, Jeannie. Thank you for doing this thank beautiful you. work in the world. It is so needed and you're helping so many people. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Sandy. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you everybody for watching to listening, whatever you're doing, if you're watching on video or listening. And uh, if you love our show, please rate and review us. It means so much to us and it helps our show grow to be even bigger and reach more people. And we hope you go on your last first date very soon. Have a great day. Bye.